Well, my name is uh, Pastor Bob Kedlisic. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we're in this five-week series called Mirror Images, Broken Reflections of a Perfect God. And so we've been talking about some of the most important uh, cultural issues of the day and some of the most important questions that we can answer as people. Who is God and who am I? And the kind of the theme verse for me as we go through this is to be like Jesus. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. And then it says in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And our culture wants to tell us that you can be truthful or you can be gracious, but you can't be both. But Jesus actually personified both together. And I will not perfectly do that, but that is my goal in this series is, is to speak truth, but also to speak and be full of grace. And uh, so as we go through this, there, this is going to raise a lot of questions, and if you'd like to look into other things, um, there's a resource page, bridgewater.church/mirror. Um, actually, especially if you have a family member, a close friend, or if you are struggling with gender identity, we're going to talk about transgender today, intersex, those types of things. Um, we have a couple of these copies at the Welcome Center, and just go there and ask for a copy, and we'll, we will give you one. Um, or we can write down your name and maybe give you one in the future if we run out. Um, and also online right now, Pastor Andrew is putting up another book that is super helpful that he has found that would, that would also speak to this issue. Um, so uh, we're going to the, the very beginning of, of the Bible, John chapter 1, and um, what it says there. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, Male and female, he created them. So we're going to talk about that last phrase today. What does that mean that God created us male and female? And as we talk about that, and as we start off, um, want to ask this question. It is rhetorical. You don't need to respond. I guess you could respond. You can respond. Okay. Do we want trans people coming to this church on Sunday morning? Yeah. Yeah, and if you're online, I don't know if you heard how loud that was, but yeah, and where, where else, you know, people who are, 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 would, would identify as trans, what would be a better place for them? You need to understand that a number of trans people have come to our church, are in our church right now, and they don't come in with signs, they don't come in with attitude, they come in, you know, quietly and with apprehension, and are people going to care about me? Are, are, people gonna, are gonna, people gonna ostracize me? And so, yeah, it, absolutely. We, we want trans people here. So what does it mean to identify as trans? What does that mean? Um, it means a lot of different things. This is an enormous umbrella. One of the things it means is gender dysphoria. And I was talking to a woman this week who attends online and has uh, lived with several different individuals who would identify as trans, and she was explaining to me about one woman who it would take her two hours to take a shower. Why? Because the first hour is spent crying on the floor, because you can't take a shower without taking your clothes off and seeing your body, and she had such a revulsion and a disconnect from her physical body, internally, mentally, it would just, it, it was agonizing for her to look at her own body 
We need to have compassion for people. We, you, know, you know, when we, we, I think it's become so politicized and protests and people out there, we need to realize that there are real people that are really hurting, that, that are, have, have this um, kind of issue in their lives. And, and uh, so gender dysphoria is one of the things. Now, um, sometimes this is confused. When you go through puberty, when, when girls and boys go through puberty, many times they feel a tremendous disconnect from their body as well because it's totally different, right? Their body is changing and it's not what it was a year ago or two years ago. And, and sometimes young people are encouraged to be confused and to think that because they have this disconnect and because they feel like a stranger in their own body, that they are also transgender, but that is not necessarily gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is very serious. It's very significant. And, um, and, and, but it's not the only thing that people mean when they say they identify as trans. This, this book embodied one of the best things in here. I don't agree with all of it, but one of the best things in here is he says, if you've met one trans person, you've met one trans person. Like it doesn't necessarily tell you anything about anyone else. Um, it's a huge umbrella. So for some, it's not fitting a gender stereotype. So there are girls that would say, I'm trans and they're biologically born a girl. And if you were to ask them, do you identify as boy or girl, they would say girl. Well, if you're biologically born as a girl and you identify as a girl, how are you trans? Well, because I don't fit gender stereotypes. I'm a gearhead. I love, you know, working on cars or I'm very athletic and I like ath athletic stuff and I don't fit in with the girls. And, I, and, and so many times, and, or a boy will say, I love fashion and pink and, you know, uh, you know and, and so then I... I, I must be a girl. And a lot of this goes back to this, this really crazy idea that you can have a, a male mind in a female body or a female mind in a male body. So if I have a female mind in a male body, how do I know I have a female mind? Well, I can't possibly know that because I would have to actually switch my brain out with a woman and then see what's different. But in addition to that, it's all based on stereotypes and generalities. I mean, do some, so there's, there's we say, talk in generalities about, about the different sexes all the time. Like, women tend to be better at multitasking, right? Are all women good at multitasking? No. no. Are all men bad at, no, some men are great at multitasking. Women tend to be more empathetic and have a higher emotional intelligence. Are all women like that? No. Does, is that what makes you a woman? No. How about men? You know, some men have, you know, men tend to be much more physical and much more um, sexual, right? And so, but is that true of all men? And, and are some women that way as well? Absolutely. And so there's these generalities we throw around. And I thought our society was getting away from gender stereotypes. But now in the name of trans, we've embraced gender stereotypes. And if you like, you know, cooking and clothes and needlepoint, you must be a girl, even though, you know, you're clearly a dude, you, you know? And, and so we just, but this is what many people, um, some people mean when they say they're trans. Another thing is, and again, this is not everyone, but sexual arousal. There are some, usually men, that are aroused sexually when they wear clothing of the opposite sex or when they imagine being the opposite sex. They don't actually believe they are, uh, but they, 
that, that's just one of them. Uh, this one was really, that one, this one threw me. I didn't realize this, but there are some who identify as trans because they don't want to be gay. And so a situation like if that was me, I would be attracted to men, but I don't want to be gay. So if I'm a woman, then I'm not gay. And, and so sometimes it's because of societal pressure. More recently, it's not so much societal pressure because homosexuality is pretty celebrated in our culture, but it's, it's more about an internal conflict. For whatever reason, internally in my mind, I don't want to be gay, and so if I'm actually a woman, then I'm not gay. Um, and uh, then uh, another reason, and so, so I don't know if you're confused yet, okay? That is not a bug, that is a feature. Okay, the goal is to confuse. And, and by the goal, I don't mean the, almost all trans people that would say they're trans are caught up in the web of this cultural confusion that has been promoted by academic elites and, and other thought leaders and things. And, but then social pressure. This is, you know, this happened in, in Montrose Elementary School. Last year, my, my fifth grade son, he was in fifth grade last year, um, we were talking one day and he said, yeah, there's like eight girls in my class that think they're boys now. And he only has like 12 girls in his class, you know, like, like you know, and I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, do they come and play with the boys? No, they, they pretty much are the same, you know, but they've all decided they're boys. And just recently, now that he's in sixth grade, I've said, so what about, what about all those girls that thought they were boys? Oh, no, they're, they're all girls now again. I said, except maybe for one, you know. But so there's often, and this is called, um, what a gender dys, what's it called? Rapid onset gender dysphoria, that's what it's called. Where basically a bunch of kids get together and, you know, one decides there's something and the others are like, oh, that, that went over well. And everybody, they're, they're, I want to be that too. And, but it, it really isn't. And this is fascinating, the social pressure. Um, NPR did a story in January of this year, um, National Public Radio. This is not a Christian uh, radio station, <laughs> NPR. But they, they pointed out that if you are autistic, you are six times more likely to identify as trans. What is that? Well, it's because if you're autistic, you, you socially are awkward. And there is in social media and in our culture today, this one-size-fits-all solution. If you're socially awkward, then maybe it's because you're not a guy and maybe it's because you're a girl. And if you fit in with the girls, then maybe it's because you are a girl, you know, and so there's this social pressure. And so for someone who's autistic, they might say, well, I don't fit in with the boys, but I don't fit in with the girls either. Maybe I'm, I'm you know, what is that? Binary, non-binary, right? Or maybe I'm three-spirit, whatever, or, you know, some other, there is an infinite. Trans is not just, are you a man or woman? Trans is like, are you, you can pick from any infinite number of word salads to, to make your identity. And so six times as many autistic are saying, well, maybe I'm socially awkward, not because I'm autistic, but because I'm trans or something, something else. And um, so there, there's just a lot going on with this word. And, and I would say of those who identify as trans that I know, I would say 100% are confused and hurting and have been hurt. Um, and so again, we need to not respond with anger. 
not respond with fear. You know, if, if we have the truth, the truth is so solid. It's not threatened. You know, if I believe 2 plus 2 equals 4 and Don believes 2 plus 2 equals 5, I'm not afraid of him. I'm not going to have him do my taxes, but, you know, <laughs> or maybe I will have him do my taxes, you know. I don't know, but, right? I mean, it's not, it's not threatening, and it doesn't make me angry. I might be angry at his math teacher, you know, but I'm not angry at him. And so if someone believes differently than you and sees the world differently than you, this is not something to get mad at. This is something to have compassion for. And um, lots of things, and then other. I don't even pretend that this is exhaustive. And again, some people are multiple of these things, and they say they're trans, some are just one, and not any of the others. And, and so this is, this is where a conversation is needed. And so if you, now that you're thoroughly confused, let's get back to Genesis chapter 1. It says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That is interesting because when he created the animals, he didn't say that. He didn't say he created the animals male and female. Why wouldn't he say that? Because not all animals are. There are some odd fish, the Komodo dragon, like there are some odd examples of, of animals that have different things going on biologically than humans do. I mean, obviously, I like slugs. Slugs, there is not male and female. They're hermaphrodites, right? But we're not slugs. Um, and, and as we read this, one of the things, so, so this is God intentionally and exclusively made male and female, right? It's, and, and clearly, different even than the animals. He specifically says, all human beings that I have made are male and female. So a lot of times the pushback on this is what about intersex? And for those of us who are older, it used to be termed hermaphrodite. Apparently, I think that's a bad word now. I don't know if I just swore, um, but... I, they, they're changing the words all the time, and now I've even read in Scientific America recently, well, we shouldn't use intersex either. I don't know. But it, so, um, and, and a lot of times this is overstated. So there was a study recently that came out that said 1.7% of all people are intersex. And when we think of intersex, we generally think of someone who has both genitalia or confusing genitalia that you don't, you don't know, like just from looking at. Again, this is PG. You'll have some great conversations with your kids on the way home and at lunch today. Um, <clears throat> but they have expanded that because the goal is to make it much more common than we think. And so the 1.7% are intersex includes those who have slightly larger genitalia or slightly smaller, and most of the people that they would label as intersex don't even know it <laughs> because they're really not that different. True intersex is a one in 50,000 kind of thing. It's pretty rare. In fact, even as our pastoral staff, 11 pastors, uh, I don't know how many hundred years of, of ministry experience altogether, there were two of us that knew two different situations where there was a truly intersex baby. Um, and the one I know of, uh, Aaron Patton in Kansas City, he had a, he had a, a family that he worked with through this, but the one I knew of was, was back when I was growing up in Johnson City, and this mom had a very, um, the pregnancy had complications. In fact, the, the doctors encouraged her to abort the baby, but she didn't abort, took full term. The baby was born. The doctor took the baby, and you know, the typical thing, congratulations, it's a baby, baby. 
um, could not tell, had to call in an expert. Um, and back then, uh, DNA tests took a long time, but they did one of those also to make sure generally when this is the case, it's generally a boy. And that was the case in this, in this instance, he was a boy. And um, I'm, I'm glad they figured that out. I saw a picture of him on Facebook about a decade ago, the biggest, bushiest beard you know, I've ever seen, you know, and I wish I could grow beards like that. But, um, you know, so, so, but you know what? Our world is broken. It's broken. And some people are born, some mostly men are born without the ability to see color. And I have to use these stupid things, right? And some women are born without an arm. And some men are born without a penis. And we have a broken world, one of the saddest. Now, so some will also say chromosomes, right? Well, what about these, these syndromes like Klinfelter syndrome or Turner syndrome? Turner syndrome is when um, someone has one X chromosome. So typically two X is a woman, X and a Y is a man. That's, that's typical. So what if you're just, just an X? Are you non-binary? No, they figured this out in 1959, shortly after the discovery of, chrom you know, of chromosomes. They figured out the determining factor is the Y. So this has been settled science for over half a century until like yesterday uh, when, when the goal is to confuse. Um, but if you have a Y chromosome, you're, you're a man. If you don't have a Y chromosome, you're a woman. So even though you're not biologists and all but one of you is not a doctor, we can figure this out. So if you have one X chromosome, what are you? You're a woman, right? If you have, so some people, um, Klinfelter syndrome, have two X chromosomes and one Y, what would you be? Male, and you clearly present as male, okay? And, and this is different from intersex. This is just chromosomal things that, what if you have three X chromosome and a Y, one in 13 million birth. You'd still be a man, right? And what happens is you have two X from your mom and an X and a Y from your dad. And, and, and you're a man, yeah. And so what if you have three X chromosomes? Woman, right. It, it's very straightforward and the confusion is intentional. Um, here's one of the saddest cases um, recently that I've read about. This is... Uh, Mokgadi Castor Semenya from South Africa. He was born with confusing genitalia. There probably wasn't a doctor even there, let alone a DNA test. And so he was raised as a woman all his life and went into sprinting. And by the time he was a senior in high school at 18 years of age, he had won and the 800 meter and had become the fastest woman in the world in high school. Uh, that actually didn't set off as many alarm bells as the fact that um, he had gotten seven seconds faster in less than nine months, which is unheard of in sprinting. You don't break the world's record nine months, uh, you know, in the 800 meter, getting seven seconds faster in nine months. Like, nobody does that. And so flags were thrown, and they're like, we don't think that he's a girl so they did a genetic test, they did a, a, you know, an x-ray exam, they found that he, he has testes internally, male testes. And so, so sad, all his life, told that he was a woman, but biologically, 
every cell in his body, it's like 99% of our cells have that, but is a boy, is a man. And, and so this is where, this is what Jesus says. You know, our, our broken world that we're in, he said this, Matthew 19, there are eunuchs who were born that way. So some, some people, you know, yeah, right, born without an arm, some people born without the ability to hear, some people born eunuchs. Eunuchs in the Bible always refer to men. Um, and there are eunuchs that have been made eunuchs by others. Used to be that castration and genital mutilation was illegal in the United States. Um, recently, it's become not only legal but celebrated. But so there are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, saying, I'm going to be celibate. I'm going to live, you know, I'm not going to have sex at all so I can dedicate myself to God better. And what, what Jesus is saying here is that you don't have to have sex or sexual organs to fulfill God's purpose for you because we live in a broken world. And I used to think when I get to heaven, one of the best things is I'll have a new body, right? I won't need these. I'll be able to jump again, you know, like really jump. And I'll be able to, you know, like I'll have a new body. It'd be so great. It won't, won't ache and pain and all of that. And I tell you what, new body, pff, underrated, overrated, excuse me. What I'm really looking forward to is a new mind, a mind I won't have to fight, a mind that doesn't have desires and feelings that are false and not true, uh, you know, that I don't want to have to fight my anger. I won't have to fight, you know, my desires for things that are bad. I won't, I won't have to, I could stop fighting my brain. And if you identify as trans this morning, you need to hear this loud and clear. The world wants you to think that you're different. You're not like everyone else. The Bible says you are made in the image of God, and we are all the same. And we struggle differently, yes, but made by one God and, and equally special. And we all have to fight our minds, all of us here, 100%. We are all fighting our minds. If, if we're trying to follow Jesus, at least, we're not just going along with what our feelings tell us or what our mind tells us. If, if you have someone who's anorexic, so, so there's a, I don't know if the, where I am in my notes here, honoring God leads to, to flourishing. Let's, let's stick with this. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So it's interesting because he looks at creation after day five and a half where he's made man and he's made all the animals and the fish and the birds and he hasn't made woman yet. And he looks at it and he says, it's good. Eh. But then when he makes woman and you have man and woman, he says, it's very good. And, and so it's, it's part of his plan, honoring God's, God's design and, and deviation from the design that God has leads to pain. And we see this in Genesis 3. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. So Adam and Eve sin. Eve is deceived. Adam, full-on rebellion from God. Adam chooses Eve over God. I know a lot of men that make the same mistake now. And, and it ends in disaster. And so this is, they've sinned. The eyes of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Why don't animals realize they're naked? Why don't animals care? Because 
We are made in the image of God to be able to choose right and wrong. And with that comes this concept of shame that animals don't know anything about. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Okay, so you're hiding from the creator of the universe. Like sin is just stupid. Makes us do stupid things. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And, and uh, we'll just stop right there. Um, we know that sin broke us spiritually. That's why Jesus had to come and die for us, to, to be able to, that we could have a connection with God spiritually, to fix our spiritual brokenness. We also know that, that sin broke us physically, because our bodies die now. Adam and Eve would never have died. They would have lived forever if they had not eaten of that fruit. But did you also realize that sin has broken us mentally and psychologically on a very deep level? So there's something called a false dichotomy. It's the idea of there are only two answers to a question. So it's kind of like, you know, there are only two ways you can put a coin on a table. You can put it face down or you can put it face up. But that's not true. It's a three-dimensional object. You can also rest it on its side. Right? There's only two people you can vote for, Republicans or Democrats. It's not true. You cannot vote at all. <laughs> Some people chose to do that in the last election because of the choices. Or you can choose to vote for a third party or a fourth party. You, you know, like, and so there's this idea. And so one of the false dichotomies that we are told uh, is that so either I chose to be trans or God made me that way, right? It's one or the other. Either God chose or I chose. Somebody chose. And, and so I didn't choose it. I didn't want this. And so God must have chosen it. And then God must want it. But this is telling us, no, there is a third option, and that is that God made us perfect. Man sinned in Adam and Eve, and our bodies psychologically, physically, and spiritually are broken. And, and so this is part of the brokenness of, of humanity. And, and another false dichotomy is this one. It's, it's, when, it's when people try to blackmail parents. Do you want a trans kid or do you want a dead kid? Which do you want? Really? There's no third option? What if someone said, do you want an anorexic kid or do you want a dead kid? Is, is that really the only option as well? I need to encourage this faulty view, body image that this individual has that doesn't match reality. I need to encourage that or else they're going to kill themselves. In fact, many studies have shown that encouraging trans actually leads to greater suicide and worse outcomes but the world doesn't want you to know that. The devil doesn't want you to know that. And, and it's not this false dichotomy of there's only two choices, there's, there's other choices as well. How about, how about speaking the truth and also being gracious and loving? And, and here's a verse I was, that I think we can all relate with, but if you're trans or identify as trans this morning, I think you can relate with it too. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. When Paul talks about torment, 
he knows what he's talking about. He was tortured by professionals over a half dozen times in his life, given 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails, which is a whip that has nine braids to it with a bit of bone or glass or shards of metal tied to the end of each rope, 39 lashes. The reason they gave 39 is because they believed superstitiously the 40th one would kill you. He's literally beaten within an inch of his life four times that way. His back would have been just not a shred of unscarred skin. Then he was beaten with rods other occasions. He was stoned. They, they picked up stones and threw it at him until they thought he was dead. Um, and this is the guy. And he says, whatever this thorn in the flesh is, it is pure torture. And so three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God told Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books of the Bible, who, who suffered for Jesus time and time again, God told him, no. After all he had done, what kind of a loving God would do that? A loving God who knows better than we do. And Paul's response to the no. This, Paul healed other people, but God wouldn't heal him. And whatever your thorn in the flesh is, it may be something that God heals. It may be psychological. It may be physical. But we can trust God with it like, like Paul did. He said, therefore... I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know who God uses the most for his kingdom? The most powerful people I've ever met on earth are broken people who don't have it all together and who have suffered and still suffer. The kids today, they are not getting this lesson. <laughs> They're getting the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus is blinded. And, and this is their bottom line, though. I think it applies to us. Trusting what you can't see because of what you can see. Knowing Jesus changes how you see things. Here's another way of saying that. Don't let the questions you can't answer overshadow the things you can't deny. There are things about God's word, about this world we live in, about Jesus Christ that I can't deny. There are questions that I have that I can't answer and that I can't answer for you either. But don't, don't let the things you don't understand and can't see override what you can see in your faith and your walk with Jesus Christ. So most of us here are not struggling with trans identity, what's the takeaway for us? Number one, we need to be listeners, right? Someone tells you they're trans, they've told you almost nothing about themselves. And we need to ask questions and listen. And number two, we need to love over the long haul, patient love. Uh, don't, don't say, you know what? Listen to Pastor Bob's sermon and it'll fix everything. <laughs> it won't. This is not gonna fix everything. Just, just truth, telling the truth, 
but, but gobs of love and compassion and grace all along the way. Um, you know, one of our approaches to church, we talk about this, is this is the church I was raised in. Now, it wasn't, doesn't characterize the pastors I, I was raised by, doesn't characterize all the people in the church I was in, especially does not, you know, characterize my mother um, who had a huge spiritual impact on me. But most of the people in the church I was raised in, this is the model. You behave first. We, we needed to, uh, I had to wear a suit coat and tie in third grade to church every Sunday, right? And you couldn't drink alcohol and you didn't go to movies and men didn't pierce their ears, let alone gauges, and nobody had a tattoo. Like, I remember the first guy that had a tattoo in our church. I think I was like, that was later because that was not, you had this long list of rules and if you behaved all the rules, then in addition to that, you had to believe all the right things. Right? Are you uh, pre-trib, pre-mill, five-point Calvin dispensationalist? And most of you are like, what is he talking about? Like, you know, and it was like, yeah, you had to believe all the right things. And if you believed all the right things and you behaved in all the right ways, then, then you could finally belong to the club. And Jesus turns this on its head. And this is, this is the model I want this church to be. This is what you need to model in your own life. He starts with belong. And Jesus went and had dinner and, and loved on prostitutes. Not ex-prostitutes, but still prostitutes. And tax collectors who were actually thought of as worse because they were, they were cooperating with the occupying government and they, you know, many of them were thieves and in a position of power and authority with the government and they were just hated. And Jesus said, man, you belong with me. But then as they ate dinner and as he hung out with them, he says, here's, let me talk to you about what's true. And, and once they believed what Jesus was saying, their behavior changed. It, that just took care of itself. And so, and so this, this is the approach, really, I want for this church and that, that each of us and all of us need to have. Um, I brought a, a bowl I'm not really sure how old it is this morning, just to show you something. We live in a broken world, don't we? Sin has shattered our lives. And we are not what God designed. In fact, if, you, if I were to put this in a box and give it to you and say, what is this? You might say, I have no idea. I don't know if that was a cup a bowl, a pitcher, I, I don't know. It's broken beyond repair. There's a story in the 1400s of a warlord in Japan. He broke his favorite teacup. That's kind of a gender stereotype right there, you know? Powerful warlord, my teacup. <laughs> So he sent it to the potter to fix it. And the potter did the typical fix back then, which involved metal staples, and it looked like teacup Frankenstein. <laughs> and he said, I don't like it. It's ugly. Do it again. Do it better, or I'll kill you. Properly motivated, <laughs> the potter went back and started the ancient Japanese art of kintsugi, and took 
resin epoxy and put gold in it and put his teacup back together. And when he got it, this warlord cried and said it's more beautiful than it ever was before. When we get to heaven, we're going to see the scars in Jesus' hands and in his feet. And I don't think we're going to be revulsed by them. And we're not going to be how ugly and disgusting. I think we're going to look and say, how beautiful are the scars of the one who died for me. And you know, we go through this life and sin breaks us and we're born broken. And then we, we get broken by others even more. And then we make bad decisions and break ourselves and we're just this mess. But Jesus Christ came to heal and to fix and to forgive and he can put us back together. Not the same as we were before, but perhaps even more beautiful because we were broken. A broken and contrite spirit the Lord will not despise. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that uh, you, you're just so smart. You have a plan that's good. And despite our deficiencies, despite our sin, despite the way we hurt each other, you have a plan. Help us to trust that. And Lord, uh, as we talk to you this morning, God, I can't think, can't help but think that there are some people here who have never made you their Savior and Lord. They've never asked you to forgive them of their sins. They've never surrendered their life to you. And uh, Lord, I just ask that you would help anyone here online or in this room who's never done that to do that this morning, to pray this prayer to you. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong to that have hurt others and have hurt you. I've broken my life. I've maybe even broken others. And God, uh, I just ask that you would punish Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago instead of me. Have him pay for my sins. And God, out of gratitude for that, Lord, I want to give you my life. I'm gonna, I've given you every single piece the sexual peace, the mental peace, the family peace, the work peace. God, all the pieces of my life I give to you. I surrender. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I want you to be the Lord and master of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The band's going to sing a great song. You don't need to be discouraged. You don't need to be dismayed because God... God is here and we're going to have some people up front and if you have surrendered your life for the first time to Jesus this morning or if you want to talk about that, um, I just want to encourage you to come forward and talk to us and make sure that you're right with God before you leave. Um, There's so many great verses. 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's special possession. You know what? Nobody else gets to tell you who you are. Someone tells you you're a failure, you'll always be a failure, just like your dad. You know what? 
that means nothing because other people don't determine your identity. Good news is you don't even determine your identity because that would be a fundamentally unstable state to be in, tossed back and forth by your feelings and desires and by your own thoughts. No, your identity is something can be something so much more stable. It can be on the rock of Jesus Christ and you can be what he says you are. Ephesians 2.10, you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 1 John 1, 1.9, you are forgiven. 1 John 3, 1, you're his child. That's what God wants for you. Please come if you want to give him your life as the band sings. Let's stand.